Hello. Hello. Welcome to Movie Humpers. It's a new year of movie humping. Yes. A whole new year. We're going into year two. Mm-hmm. How was your holiday? Pretty great? Yeah, great. Not so bad, far nope. as I know. Pretty easy. Chilling out, seeing some fam, hanging with the pets. It was pretty fun while it lasted. And now it's New Year's Day. Today, as of this drop. <laughs> Yes, as of this drop, it is New Year's Day. When you hear this, initially it'll be New Year's Day. And uh, we got a theme this month going into January. It is Portraits of the Artists. It's when we were discussing two major leading black men. Uh, the OG, ahead of his time, Mr. Paul Robeson. Yeah. And for the most of the rest of the month, we're talking about Denzel Washington, Denzel Washington movies. It was so hard to narrow down what those movies are going to be. Truly. And I kind of got cute with some little subcategory titles within the category. Um, the artist, uh, I, I took the title from. It's a documentary about Robeson, right? It's not a documentary. It's a collection of his films. Oh, okay. But there are documentaries in here. It's the Criterion Collection of the Paul Robeson stuff called Portraits of the Artist. And I just pluralized artists to include, uh, at least in our discussions this month, not just Paul Robeson, but Denzel Washington. Paul Robeson, he comes off so different. I think even in by today's standards, he would be a very unique figure, a big labor organizer, uh, very politically motivated in that way. Also, you know, got hit pretty hard with the the McCarthyism shit, like he was a... It's really deep-cut film history guys that know the most about him or those that are into deep-cut black history in America. But Paul Robeson is a very important guy. And Denzel, we examine him as the modern leading man. It doesn't... He doesn't feel like... You know, Robeson feels very different from Denzel Washington. Denzel, I always... I, you know, I always uh, uh, credit him... He feels more like a, um, like a Gregory Peck, Cary Grant type. He's that style of actor. Paul Robeson was ahead of his time, and Denzel feels like he is from- A man of his time. Of his time, but also more classic, even. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Than and his I, contemporaries. And I think we're going to explore that. So uh, we will be discussing uh, every Monday a Paul Robeson movie- and then Wednesdays and Fridays, we'll be talking about Denzel movies. My subcategory this week for Portraits of the Artists, The Artists in Trouble. Ooh. Now, keep in mind, some of these might be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I tried to make them thematically work. I think maybe because we deal with religion so prominently in this Paul Robeson feature, mm -hmm. maybe other religious-based Denzel movies, but... Eh, you know, some weeks seem to make more sense than others. And I'm also putting these together without having seen some of the movies. But I think uh, I think some of them will work. The Artists in Power Week will be really good. It, oh, it'll yeah. make more sense. But we're talking about our first... This is our second ever silent movie. Yes. The first one we talked about was also our very first episode a long time ago from 1906. Story of the Kelly Gang, which is an Australian film that is considered... To be the first major feature film. It is, however, incomplete. It is. 
they try to fill in the gaps as best they can with scripts that were found and still images that were found. It's really interesting to watch. The guy who directed this movie is one of the pretty much the earliest prolific black filmmaker, Oscar Micheaux. And he wrote and directed and did everything for this, He was right? very involved. These were called, a lot of the movies he made were called race pictures because he was a black man in America making movies. And the majority of his audience, like for this film, Body and Soul, it was originally just shown to black movie theaters. And white people came along to it later. Mm-hmm. So it's just really not very known, even as as prominently historical as Oscar Michaud is. In this movie, there's a lot of criticism of religion. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty obvious. When Michaud yeah. originally presented this film to be reviewed to play in the state of New York, they cited that this movie could cause riots. This movie is sacrilegious. So they had him cut it all back down. And I'm not sure if that, if he, they made him change any story beats because it seems like his condemnation of religion and what it does to the black community is pretty potent. And then there's this measure of forgiveness that we come across in the end. And then another interesting twist, which as far as I could tell is the earliest known instance of this type of twist. Mm. But this is a silent movie. You can find it all over YouTube. Body and Soul, 1925, starring Paul Robeson, Mercedes Gilbert, and Julia Teresa Russell, directed by Oscar Michaud. And Oscar Michaud, he churned them out. He had over 40 pictures, but over half of his work is completely lost to time. And when we're going through this movie, we were wondering if there were some things that were lost to time in the process of what he shot because we got these title images that don't match previous title images. One big compliment I want to give right off, which is a modern contribution to this particular Mm. movie. And we're seeing this a lot more with silent movies where modern musicians and orchestras and stuff lend their talents and kind of help breathe life into the movies. The musical score was composed by a trombonist by the name of Wycliffe Gordon and performed mm-hmm. at the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra. I believe it was initially performed in Savannah, Georgia, and I think they might have performed it while they played this movie. It was a live audience. That would have been really cool yeah. to see. But the music and the way it breathes life into this movie, it's actually, it really does help the movie a lot. I think the music in this is fantastic. It is wonderful, uh, yeah. Props to Wycliffe Gordon. It's interesting that you said that in that way because I did wonder if things had been cut out. And I I wonder now, one of the things I said to you even during the movie is that, sure, I have not seen a lot of black and white movies. I have seen more than these two, but not a lot more, honestly. But it felt as though they were saying so much more to each other than they were telling us. Mm. And I even wonder if that's where it was cut. Not necessarily the visuals, Mm. maybe, but what he was trying to portray, like what he was having these people say to each other, the things they were actually talking about. Maybe that was what was censored a little bit because I really, I really wish I, it's really hard to say knew because of everything they're saying, because you can tell that things definitely got whittled down. Apparently this thing was nine reels. And when he had to edit it for the board to get released, it was down to five. There is that, that sense, of course, all movies have these. The studios nowadays will chop away at your shit, as we discussed with Eyes Wide Shut. The studio after Kubrick died, they did they cut like twenty minutes off of it. It's even 
it's even worse back then. This idea that back then you could do things and, and that yeah. you can't, that you can't do now is bullshit. There were, there was haze codes. They were, they were way harder on this shit. Just merely criticizing a preacher in a movie what caused the state of New York to be afraid that this movie would create riots or whatever. Well, and that's interesting that you say it that way because he's not actually a preacher. Right, he's a... He's a con man. He's like uh, Robert uh, Mitchum in fucking... Yeah. Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter, yeah. He's kind of like a proto version of that. Yeah, he is a man who's on the run. He is pretending to be a preacher in this small town, and he's a drunk. And he's uh, not a nice man. And this woman, uh, Isabel, and she lives with her mother, played by Mercedes Gilbert. Mm-hmm. And, the, and Isabel is in love with a man named Sylvester. Yes. Who is also played by Paul Robeson. Which is so interesting because it is like, they're not the same man. They're mm. not meant to be. But they're the two men in her life. Their demeanor. And one of them is good and nice to her and want to take care of her. And the other one is got the whole town wrapped around his finger, but is terrible and mean to her and ruins her. I know Michaud was a big um, advocate. He was into the writings of Booker T. Washington. We see an image of Booker T. Washington and then another image of Booker T. on their wall. Yeah, and, in, in, the, the mother's in the mother's house, yeah. Of a Booker T., Abraham Lincoln, and Frederick Douglass. Yep. And I guess maybe that was a common, more common thing back then. I'm not sure. This deeply religious woman... Having an image of Booker T, not to say that she wouldn't. Booker T had criticisms for religion. And the mother is deeply religious to the point where she wants her daughter to marry this corrupt, fake preacher. Mm-hmm. And she believes in him a thousand percent. She, she believes in him a thousand percent. And even to the point where anything that is accusing of the preacher, whether the daughter's like, oh, he's a drunk, he stinks. Um, she just doesn't believe him as though you can't just say that about a man of God. Even though, How dare you? Even though we see this mother in that very exaggerated silent film way kind of have these pauses and these suspicions. And then it's like she just wipes it away in it's, her mind. Uh, it's such a... I love those moments because these are very... She's a very good actress in that. You had to do so much more work. You really when had to. you couldn't hear their voices, like so much has to read on their faces. You could so tell when the little girl, I call her little girl, but when the daughter was sad or when she was hurt or when she was happy, like everything about her without being huge. The mother in those moments you're just speaking about, it's so great because you can see her going, wait, did something bad happen? Isabel, is something bad happening? Isabel just No, looked, no, 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 it's not. Isabel just looked generally depressed constantly. She was also so skinny and tiny yeah. that she just looked like frail Yeah, and sad. So the preacher, Jeremiah Jenkins, the Reverend Isaiah T. Jenkins, or Jeremiah, I thought it was Jeremiah Jenkins, comes across a guy that he used to be locked up with who's running... Who's uh, like a crook? Because he's a crook, and they were locked up together. And there's like a, a and they and they deal through this guy who might be uh, cheating people at cards and stuff. And he owns a bar. And we don't really address a lot of that, but it is played up into a scene in which that dude who knows him runs out of money, so he goes to him and is like, basically blackmails him. Like, I'll tell everyone you're a liar if you don't give if, me money. Unless you don't give me money, and that leads into a story in which. We don't get the whole story at first, and then we lean back on it, and then we go back into a story 
before the story in which she's trying to commune like the the money is gone the mother keeps it in the book she's in the already, bible she keeps the it bible. in the bible she's already told sylvester like no you ain't going anywhere sylvester when when the mom says sylvester's not going anywhere it's because he wants to marry her daughter so the mom wants her daughter to marry the preacher but the daughter wants to marry sylvester he's an inventor which we kind of find out at the end. I think that must have gotten part of the cutout stuff. It must have. Because some things are missing. Also speaking to the man he was locked up with. There's this thing at the beginning where the preacher has gone to this bar and he's getting drunk. And the man asks him for money. And the preacher's like, oh no, you give me money. Or else I'm going to start preaching bad about your right. bar again. Like he's a swindler from the first second. There's a tiny also line that I wonder if there was more to it. Where... The man he was locked up with says to him, I just happened upon you. I didn't even know you were here. I'm out scouting for girls to go work at whatever the fuck Big Bertha's titty bar. I yeah. can't remember what he called it, but he was like, and that Isabel sure looks like a good one. You know, like he, but then that didn't go anywhere either. Mm. So I don't know. It was just well, these little jabs to let you know that these guys are gross. Well, the mother leaves Isabel and the preacher alone together. And then He's going to save back. her soul. Yeah, to save her soul. And she comes back. And we see that she does suspect something's off. And then he leaves. And then... Elizabeth's crying and clinging to her. And Isabel runs away. And then the that's when the mother finds out that the money's been taken. Isabel leaves a note taking the blame for taking the money. And she runs off to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And she's gone for months and the mother tracks her down. And then Isabel breaks down the story. And not only breaks down that like... No, actually, the preacher took it and talked her into taking the blame because your mother wouldn't believe you anyway. And she was kind yeah, of right at first. Yeah. But she, also tells a story of a previous story where they're caught in a storm. and the That preacher, scene was crazy also yeah. where they're running around in the storm like in circles like they can't see. It's supposed to be nighttime. Yeah. And they end up in like an abandoned cabin in the middle of the night. And the preacher rapes her. Yeah. So he has this over her. And then she actually says to her mom... But I knew Sylvester would understand and take care of me because you know she was supposed to be a virgin, yeah. right? And the preacher rapes her, but she's like, Sylvester still wanted me and you said no yeah. to Sylvester. And then you left me the fuck alone with this man again. And that time he didn't rape her, but he was hurting her and basically like, money, I need money, where's yeah. the money? Because that guy's swindling him. Right. And she breaks down and tells him. So she had, he gave her $10 to catch a train. He told her, get the fuck out of town. No one's going to believe you that I took this money. Your mama's going to think you took this money. Mm. She's never going to believe you over me. So get out of here. The daughter is so heartbroken and the mother feels so bad because she's finally convinced. But the daughter dies in bed of a broken heart, I suppose. Well, and at first her mom's like... Why are you making this up? And she's like, I told you. I couldn't tell you because you wouldn't believe me. And you're not believing me now. And that's when the mom finally was like, wait a second. So we cut to the church. Good Lord. And the the reverend, the fake reverend, is preaching the, the dry bones in the valley sermon. And it's actually a pretty fantastic scene to watch him like get all worked up. And he's having this 
thing where he's punching one of the clergymen and and he's like acting like he's drinking water but he's drinking liquor it seems like michelle is kind of playing up a little bit of comedy here like kind of making fun of the situation of the the, the religiosity at play you got the man falling asleep in the front but then yeah. when it starts getting crazier and punching that man gets like involved and robeson's expressions are like right on you can tell he's kind of having fun playing these dual roles yeah. And but then that's when the mother shows up and declares, um, and the mother was, was such an advocate for the preacher that when she tells what he did, that he essentially killed her daughter. Mm-hmm. He killed her daughter. The whole clergy turns on him, or the whole church, yeah, and just starts beating on him, and he gets away. And this is scene where. This guy, this whole town of Tatesville is hunting for him. And this one guy with a log sneaks up onto, but they're both like terrible fighters. Like it's, yeah, it's a very bizarre. But he, does he have a gun? No. No, he just, they're beating each other with the log and then he gets away. But then the preacher goes back to the mother's house and is essentially begging her for forgiveness. Yeah, he basically says, I need you to forgive me. And now this is the interesting turn here because it isn't making fun of this faith. It's, I think Michelle is making a statement on religion within the black culture, specifically this religion. But there is that power of forgiveness that does occur later in the thing. And then she passes out in the chair, wakes up, and then she wakes up. And Isabel and Sylvester walk in. Sylvester announces he's got a bunch of money. The mother approves of their union. She runs over and says, well, you don't have to wait for his... Well, he's got an invention that he's going to get a bunch of money. She goes, you don't even have to wait for that. I want y'all to have all this money. And she goes over to the Bible and she gets the money and she gives it to them. So this was a dream dream. scenario. At least from the point in which... The preacher comes over to the house. It is, it's, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre plot play. And when you're not sure of what's cut and what isn't, you know, a lot was cut. There is a, as, as interesting as this is, there is a feeling that it is definitely has an imperfections in the way that maybe it was whittled down or the, and the, the, the dream trope, the, it was all a dream trope before we started discussing this. I was looking online to see if I could find what is the earliest example yeah. of that. In literature, it happened for hundreds of years. Oh, sure, 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 sure. But in film, as far as I've been able to find, and if anyone knows any further back, I think the most infamous one is The Wizard of Oz, right? Where she wakes up and she's back in Kansas. Like, it was all a dream. That so was that's, real, though? So that's probably, like, the best example. That really happened, The most though? infamous example. Calm down. And... <laughs> But as far as I can tell, in in a feature film, in Body and Soul by Oscar Michaud, this is the earliest I've found of that specific yeah. trope. Yeah. And, it, and it exists in the literature long before this, so the trope already existed in the storytelling format. But far as I know, and looking up people citing movies with this, nothing... I don't, I'm not seeing anybody credit anything prior Earlier. to Wizard of Oz. Oh, wow. Wizard okay. of Oz is like 36 or something. I think so. And this one is 1925. So yeah. as far as I know, this is... And of course, this would go under the radar because this was a movie by uh, black Americans for black Americans. Yeah. And white people would not know much about it until yeah. later. Um, probably more in the guise of those who want to study film history, you know. And no casual moviegoer 
would stumble across, uh, especially an early Oscar Michaud movie like Body and Soul. Also, if you search for this, there are like three other Body and Soul movies. You you have to literally type in Body and Soul 1925 yeah. to get the results for this. It took me a little while. I mean, not it didn't take me that long, but it's just it's not the first thing that comes up, even mm. with this title, even a fil- in film. Yeah, it's really interesting. So so yeah, so they go get married. Yeah. And they come back and they're happy married and mom's happy and everybody's happy, happy and ending. it's over. And there's never any other mention of the preacher. No. We and assume that he was real. He just didn't <sighs> go into their lives like The this. thing that makes it seem as though he was real is, th- oh, you know what the I wonder? Beginning. Is the beginning there is a news article. I wonder if she read that newspaper article and then fell asleep. Because the newspaper article the feeling, is talking right? about how... A black detective or private eye had black, black found Carl. Black Carl. And they have, they have a song about him. Black Carl. Black Carl. It's, it's about, like the only words I think that you hear. I was curious about Black Carl as a character. Like we Me don't too. see him. I know. But like imagine some noir, some early 20th century noir. That would be so cool. With the Black Carl character. Maybe he's in some of these other films or lost films because it seems like someone you're supposed to know. Yeah. The way that they talk about him. At least in the article. But yeah, that he had found this man... Who had been pretending to be a preacher. So in the article, it's past tense. So now I'm realizing, I think, that that mom read that article. And then fell, and then asleep, fell asleep. And dreamed all And that. dreamed, what if that man was here? And what if he... And what would I do? If what that, would he if do? What would I here? do? Yeah. Well, she failed in her own dream. And for some <laughs> reason, she gave him the same face as Sylvester. Yeah. Because she had doubts about Sylvester. It's kind of a fun way to look at yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Body and Soul, like I said, you can watch this on YouTube. I think it's always worth looking at um, the important history of films. And this is like a major work in the history of black filmmaking. So I would recommend checking it out just for that. And nothing Absolutely. Wrong, nothing wrong, a little more knowledge under your belt. Well, we're going to properly rate this movie. Um, yeah. You can have one through five. We're going to have one through five combined for... Best out of 10, an interesting historical feat. Uh, maybe uh, a dream trope before it was beaten into the ground. Uh, but still, the story is a little haywire, but the characterizations and the acting are uh, really kind of fun to take in. So. Yeah, and I want one to... Com- one thing that really stuck out to me is the way some of the shots were done. The majority is pretty straight on. And it almost feels like you're watching a play, right, in the mom's house. But when the preacher is before and after he attacks Isabel, is it Isabel? Yes. It's a close-up on his feet. Huh, yeah. You yeah. don't see him in those moments where he's being his worst. You see his feet, and then you see her scared, and then you see it says half an hour later and his feet leaving. And there's something about the way that was handled, and who knows if they cut bits out. But it was very interesting to me because it very much felt like we can't even go head on in this scene. It's so bad that we can't even show you. Yeah. As Michaud kept going, he was a very prolific 
always wanting to make a very unsubtle statements in all of his work. And I think it kind of like, I think it ran out of steam for a lot of his audiences later in life. Sure. But when you see, as I had mentioned before, the Booker T Washington image on the wall, that could have existed in a lot of black households. But at the same time, that image of Booker T appeals more to what Oscar Michaud is trying to say than it would be for maybe the philosophies of the mother herself, who seems to be much more religiously motivated yeah. than either Washington or Michaud were. Yeah. But so it's kind of just fun to analyze it right there. But this is my first Oscar Michaud and it'll be, it'd be interesting to find some more. Yeah. Um, so what do you rate it? I'm going to give this movie a three. I think a three is rock solid for sure. So that's a six. And I'm very, very excited to watch more Paul Robeson movies. Oh, yeah. We got one more silent, and then there'll be talking after that. He is very charismatic. Uh, he definitely comes across like that, yeah. All right, folks, let me show it to you. It's a B- minus for Body and Soul by Oscar Michaud. We think it's as good as Cocaine Bear, <laughs> uh, Live and Let Die, the Sum of All Fears, and Taste the Blood of Dracula. It's at least as good as those movies. And there we go. Check the show notes for links, other places to find us. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, a correction, some historical facts. Uh, we will be going into some Denzel, because um, this is for the portraits of the artists, and this is the artists in trouble. So look at that picture there that I'm posting on the screen right now. And you can see what Denzel movies are going to be coming later this week. And uh, so come back Wednesday for the Denzel goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to just be having a good time. All right. And, uh, oh, we kind of failed to really come to a consensus on the new sign off for the New Year's. We don't, I don't want death to all traitors, but I don't want to be overly saccharine. That's not working either. So... I think we're going to go with, for the year 2024, a thing you said early on when we were trying to figure something out. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, an early suggestion was, fuck the haters. Yeah. The theme for 2024 is fuck the haters. All right. So, that said. Fuck the haters. And I woke up early this morning. Got started on my way. I had to work, 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 work all to work all day. To earn this good morning, pay misery and strife. I had to work for this good morning every day of my life. I said my sun's gonna shine, 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 and it's gonna shine all. I said my son's gonna shine